The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Behold, a ruler came in and knelt before Jesus, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a hemorrhage for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, for she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I shall be made well. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a tumult, he said, Depart, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, He went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all that district. The Gospel of the Lord. So what's interesting today is again the association of the two readings. So we see that... um, Jacob is now on his journey, and one of the things that happens is as he falls asleep, he has this, uh, this dream, this dream of this ladder which reaches all the way from heaven and touches down to earth, a ladder upon which he sees angels both ascending and descending. And some of the first early kind of church commentators, they say that this is an image of the incarnation, the divinity of Christ, which is the angels ascending towards him, and then also the humanity of Christ, which is the angels descending upon him uh, in order to minister to him. And so it is the word receiving the ministry of angels, both in his divinity and in his humanity. And so you have this profound image in this dream of Jacob where he sees this, this object, this ladder, which connects heaven and earth. And so what he does is he marks then this place as sacred because this is a place even in his dream where heaven and earth touched And so he holds this place as sacred and he sets it aside as a location for the worship of God. How much more then, when the incarnation comes, is the places or the locations in which he is, how much more are they then sanctified? And so this is the profound mystery of what we see in the gospel, which is something that then Jairus, as we know from Mark's account of the same scene, we know that his name is Jairus, he's a ruler of the synagogue. He comes in now to the banquet hall where Christ is with his disciples and where he has been receiving the critique of the Pharisees, the critique of St. John the Baptist's disciples, and now he will receive right praise. But it is a praise that is coming from a desperate heart, the heart of a father who is desperate for the life of his daughter. And so what happens now is the Lord who has now been preaching about this new wine and new wineskins or this new, uh, new garments, now you have a new wineskin, quite literally, in the person of Jairus, walk into this upper room, and he falls down in adoration. And so you see this one who is now able to receive the new wine that is Christ is now disposed to receive it. And so he will give testimony where the others have only been critiquing. He will give testimony to the power 
of who Jesus Christ is. And so, just as the Lord was also saying to them in terms of fasting, he says the disciples of the children of the bridegroom, the children of the bridal chamber, he says that they cannot fast while the bridegroom is with them, or they cannot mourn while the bridegroom is with them. And we can see Jairus also living up to this, which is that while everyone else back in his household is mourning and weeping, he chooses not to mourn. While they resign themselves to death, he decides to go to the author of life. He decides to do something about the issue. And he believes that even over death, this man, Jesus Christ, has power. And not some, from something with outside of himself, but a power that comes from within. And so when he comes to Jesus, he is very specific, which is interesting, about what he wants the Lord to do. He doesn't say to the Lord, come and just raise her to life. He says, come, lay your hands on her, and she will be made well and she will receive life. He's very particular, very specific. And what he shows in his prayer of faith is that he knows that from the hands of Jesus comes this divine power of life. He knows that the Lord doesn't have to ask anyone else for this power. He doesn't say, come and pray over her or pray on her behalf. He just says, come, lay your hands on her. He knows that through this incarnate Lord, this God who is present in his midst, there can now be life because he is inviting the author of life. And so also for us, it's a wonderful testimony of choosing to do something in the face of desperation or of long suffering. And so then what the Lord does is he responds very promptly to this prayer. It says he goes with them. He goes with him. And in a certain sense, there is a type of a reversal of following now, right? And so now Jairus is leading and the Lord is following. It's a great mystery. But one of the commentators points out, he says that when we ask things that are in accord with God's will and our accordance with his love and our accordance with eternal salvation, then the Lord follows us because it is his will, right? So it's this mystery of how the Lord responds to prayer that is in accordance with his will. And so as he then processes out, what happens is in this procession, someone else joins the back. And it's this woman who has been hemorrhaging for 12 years. She kind of just jumps in the back of this procession now that is walking. And she comes also in faith. And one of the other commentators points out, he says that Jesus, the person of Jesus, attracts suffering. He attracts those who are in turmoil, attracts those who are in difficulty. And this commentator was saying Christ is like a magnet for human suffering and misery, just draws it to himself. And so as he is processing through this now crowd to go to the home of Jairus, what happens is that this woman gains confidence to go up and touch the hem of his garment. Now this is, again, it takes a lot of confidence to do this because we know that in accordance with the Jewish customs and the Jewish rituals, that she would be ritually impure, right? Because of the flow of blood. And so for her to touch Christ would have made him impure by that touch. But she is also confident in that she knows that he is different. <laughs> There's something different about this Jesus of Nazareth. And so what happens, she walks up and she touches him and he is not made unclean. She is made clean and healed. And so there is a reversal of what happens. She receives life and healing from the author of life and healing. And so she receives from his power. And again, sometimes this is a profound image of what can happen in prayer as well, right? Which is both the self-knowledge or the knowledge of our uncleanness, but also the confidence that we can have 
in his cleanness, in his purity, in his ability to sanctify us. And there can be this war that happens in prayer, a war within ourselves, where we both can recoil from Christ because of our misery, but we know, well, where else can we go? We have to go towards Christ. And so we propel ourselves back towards him in order to be healed by the only one who can heal us. And then what happens is they arrive at the house of Jairus and uh, the Lord again, he puts out all of those who have given up, all of those who have resigned themselves to death, all of those who are not waiting the author of life himself. He puts out basically all of those who have no faith, right? Everyone get out of the house. And then he takes with him, as we know from Mark's account, Peter, James, John, and the parents of the little girl. And he walks in to her and he takes her by the hand and he speaks to her as if she was alive and listening because to him all live, right? And so he speaks and by his word and by his touch, she is brought back to life. And so also for us in our own prayer life, this is another kind of important principle of our prayer life, that the touch and the words of Jesus are able to restore us to life. And so when we come into the participation here at the Mass, where we receive the very words of God, where we also receive the touch of God, where we receive Him Himself in Holy Communion, this is where we are then encountering that author of life, that author of healing, that author of mercy. Amen.